Evening, Mr. Ronaldo. It's great to see you. Hello, um, do, do I know you? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Neil Lavity. I play for the Fort Lauderdale Strikers, your team. Lava, lavatory. No, no, I'm not looking for the bathroom. I'm looking for the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. N- they're this team that no, I, no. around Neil Lavity. I'm one of your players. On the Strikers? Yeah. Oh, well, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I've just not ever seen any of you, and, uh, you know, it is hard to recognize, I mean, you know... <sighs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well, you know, I, I follow the Twitter, American Soccer Twitter, and among these tweets about, very fascinating tweets about Pro-Rel Week and uh, Soccer Wars and how Joe Cole is better than any other signing in the world, I have seen people insulting my, my Fort Lauderdale striker. So I was thinking, il phenomeno, he must, he must come to the aid of his strikers. So here I am. And I bring with me the solution to all of your problems. He's right here, and I, I will let him introduce himself. Hey, fellas. I'm Bobby Carmichael. I'm the NASL's official travel and real estate agent, and now I'm their official team turnaround consultant. You might know me from booking FC Edmonton to Saskatchewan, selling a Spanish-owned club on the Oklahoma bubble, and just being an overall fucking champion. Hmm, yes, uh, we've, we've heard of you, Bobby. Of course you have. I hear you've been toiling away in that Lockhart dump, (laughs) but I've landed you a sick new pad. Bobby, that's amazing. Lockhart is a dump, and and we really have been looking forward to a new stadium where people can really appreciate the strikers. Of course. You'll be playing on luxurious greens under the lights of a world-class venue. A world-class venue. Bobby, this is... This is amazing. It's right by a large Caribbean immigrant community just itching to watch a sport that they're familiar with from home. More fans. Finally. These fans will be cheering your names as you work your way up and down the oval. I can just hear it right now. Wait. Oval? And you'll bring pride to Florida from wicket to wicket. What are you talking about, dude? Boys, you're now the Fort Lauderdale Batsman, Florida's newest cricket team. Cricket? Batsman? Dude, do we look like a cricket team to you? Well, I I guess. I mean, you certainly don't look like a soccer team. Coming to you from the Twin Cities, this is Toughcast. And welcome to Toughcast by two United fans. This is Notch. And this is Jeff, and don't put the Knicks on episode 56. That's not the name that I put for you here on, on the notes. No, I know. There's, you need a better introduction to lead into the Salad Police. I, I think Fine. you should. Fine, Notch just... wanted me to say, and I'm Salad Police. There you go. And you can't put the Knicks on episode 56. There you go. Perfect. See see how much better it is when, you, when we stick to the notes? Uh, by the way, uh, Burmese Tea Salad. One of our listeners mm-hmm. tweeted to us saying, uh, Burmese tea salad, is it actually a salad? So, Mr. Salad Police, I need you to adjudicate. Yes. Why? See, honestly, the Burmese tea salad really looks like a standard Americanized salad if you had just separated every individual piece into a different corner uh-huh. of a dish. Now, if you mix it together, there'd be no question. You've got your lettuce, you've got your, your various vibrant colors to it you've got your various textures as well it has all the makings of a fantastic salad it's just separated it looks like a veggie plate so so for listeners keeping score now salad police adjudicated that uh saprisa salad or caprese salad yep. is uh, not a salad <laughs> not a salad uh some people do think that saprisa is a soccer team though i believe in costa rica but anyway yes. uh 
the Burmese tea salad is a salad. Uh, which other salads do you just disagree with, Jeff? Well, you know what? I've, I've got my short list, but I, th- I think it's better. I prefer coming in hot with a yes or no each time. So uh-huh. keep tweeting your pictures at us, and I will let you know if it's a salad. I, I do think McDonald's salads are not salads. I think a salad, Ooh. it behooves a salad to be under a certain calorie count. And when you add, uh, you know, mayo, jello, uh, mm-hmm. lard, it, it, it stops being a salad. Yeah. Okay, no, I, I will give you that. Because you put me on the spot, the McDonald's salad, not a salad. Not a salad. You heard it here first. All right. Thank you, Salad Police. This has been your Salad Police segment uh, sponsored by uh, the, the Green... Sp- sponsored by Amazon-Jungle.com. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Uh, just, just to go some, to somewhere we we're going to go much later. Uh, the Fort Lauderdale Strikers at Lockhart had a billboard behind one of the goals that said Amazon-Jungle.com. Uh, which I, it's in huge letters. It's inescapable. You can see it on the highlights if you go take a look at them. So I, I told Jeff, like, hey, look, look at that address. Why don't you, like, type it in and see what happened? And we basically found, uh, uh, like, one of those starter website pages that's like, something magical coming here soon. You're right. <laughs> there is nothing here. And we tracked back, and we couldn't find anything in the history for, like, 10 years. Right. Like, apparently, archive.r archived it a lot back in 2004, which made me think, like, maybe it was just an old ad board from the Miami Fusion days right. that someone was like, huh, this looks like it's an ad board. We should put it out. <laughs> right. I think that just goes to prove to you that no one reads the ad boards at games. Right. Uh, at or all. at least follows the links. Uh, right. I, I have to say, I think this is probably has something to do with the Save the Amazon Jungle initiative that the Guaravitan company and I think the Brazilian owners have some passion about. They announced some stuff about it at the unveiling. Anyway, that's, Other that's more boring. is that um, there's someone who's creating a bouncy palace called the Amazing Jungle. And it had a typo. <laughs> and they already booked this one. And so they also had a second one. But they got the big board printed for Amazon Jungle. Right. And they're stuck with it. Well, and and uh, there are some parts of the Amazon that are unexplored, which because they don't have addresses, Amazon finds it hard to deliver there. Mm-hmm. So their new drone service allows them to actually get to these places, though. So with an is, hour, right? Right. So Just if smart. you live in an unexplored part of the Amazon, mm-hmm. now Amazon Jungle allows you to have uh, little buttons that you can hit to have household supplies delivered to you. Do you have you seen these Amazon buttons, by the way? Yeah. Do you have one? Uh, I don't have my own personal drone, no, but I have done the Amazon Now, like, hour shipping or whatever. No, 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 not that, man. I'm saying, like, Amazon literally sells you for five bucks a button that that says, like, Tide on it. So when you run out of laundry, you can, like, press the button and it automatically orders you Tide. It basically saves you walking over to the computer and pressing order Hmm. on a new thing of detergent. Sold. Right. I'm kind of curious. For five bucks. I might look into that. That actually sounds kind of interesting. What? No. Well, it it couldn't be tied. It would have to be something like, I don't know, like a nice Summit oatmeal stout button. I would hit that button in a heartbeat. Actually, that's a button that you'd get drunk and hit multiple times. There is a safeguard. More. More. Right, or if your friends come over and they're like, that's a Jack Daniels button, click, 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 click. Or like, hey, look, I brought my Jägermeister button. You can just throw it at a wall and uh, never deal with it again. Uh, You're typing in the notes, so I'm not sure. Okay, got it. Um, Speaking of territories, there's another squirrel out your window. And I'm just watching it now. It's right hey, at you. In, in, in the happy news, we, we might not be recording down here for much longer. Oh, yeah. Talk uh, so, about so, this. So you might not be uh, stuck with seeing these pearls. I might have a place uh, near the stadium soon. Mm-hmm. More on that later. 
if it comes through. Hot take. Stay tuned. Yep. Um, speaking of territories that have not been scouted, much like the Amazon rainforest. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Nashville was an uncharted territory for NASL, and it looks like there's going to be a professional team in Nashville mm-hmm. joining it- the USL. You sounded disappointed there. Well, it's not what I think the NASL should have done. I think that the NASL should have jumped on Nashville years ago. But as proud MLS bots who take Don Garber's money, we should be overjoyed at this. Yeah. In, no, but in all seriousness, I actually did feel good for Nashville, guys. You know, they have a Nashville FC and PSL team that apparently is like, okay support uh, mm-hmm. type. Okay support. So it's... I'm happy they got the pro team. I'm, I'm happy that it's not an ASL, yes, but, uh, you know, good good for USL. Those are just, those are the types of markets that NASL should have been going after. True. Um, and it's it's too bad. I mean, there is still talk that uh, NASL is still interested, but come on. I mean, they, they did it in OKC. Uh, in fact, I think a reverse OKC situation might, could happen here where NASL decides to rush a team into Nashville before this team that's been announced earlier mm-hmm. gets to the pitch like the usl did in okc so i i don't i do think it's kind of silly that we're talking about how te- like leagues are competing for cities and all this stuff uh, i think that's a really dumb thing i think that says a lot about the business of soccer in this country that we're like talking about leagues and partisan manners uh it's kind of just a sad state of affairs it'd be kind of nice you know if, if a team could be started and then made its way to the league that it best fit into don't you think? Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> All right. Uh, other news. <laughs> there you go. Uh, other news. Um, Ottawa beat Edmonton in the second leg of the quarterfinal in the Canadian Championship. That's a lot of words, but they still lost on aggregate 3 why, why would Ottawa... By the way, the words beat them in the second leg just sounds hilarious. It sounds like Edmonton went, went over to Ottawa just like, All right. Not the left one. The right one just took a baseball bat whacked it a couple of times. <laughs> Oh, how Tanya Harding of you. Right. Um, Yes, but they still still lost. Uh, Timbo ended up using his right leg to uh, make a nice slide tackle in like the 90th minute to stop Edmonton from getting a third goal, which would have pushed into extra time. So, yeah. Shout out to you, buddy. Good for Ottawa. They're making it into the semifinals, I think, of the the Voyager's Cup. Who are they going to face, did you see? Uh, Yeah, I think they're facing Vancouver, and it's the first time that they've made it into the quarterfinals, or the semifinals, so that's awesome. And and the other one will be Montreal versus Toronto. Yep. Okay, well, well, good luck to the Fury. Hope to see them in the CONCACAF Champions League, uh, what, four years from now or something? It's weird how the timing works out. 87 years, yeah, that's about right. Okay, moving straight along, we have... Our own uh, tournament here in this country, in the land of freedom and eagles and french fries. Uh, and, and you will find that the NASL teams enter the, this, the U.S. Open Cup on June 1st. Yes. Um, last night, we're recording this on Thursday as usual, and last night on Wednesday were the majority of the second round of Open Cup games, which is where the USL is brought in. So it's fourth or fifth tier versus third tier, essentially. And the matchups for NASL, again, we talked about this last week. Every NASL team will be at home except for Minnesota because, you know, of course. Um, Yep. So the games are Carolina Railhawks hosting Charlotte Independence, Miami FC hosting Wilmington Hammerheads, Jacksonville Armada hosting Charleston Battery after a scandal. Right. The the Villages SC. Which, by the way, what is up with all these team names? The Villages SC. The uh, Hammerheads is kind of cool, I guess. But still, the, the NY... 
Pan-Cyprian freedoms? Yep. What? Yeah, you know, the Pan-Cyprian freedoms. What does that even mean? They're, they're the feeling of freedom in the Pan-Cyprian. Okay. Anyway, uh, going back to the, the Villages SC, directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, they fielded a player who had played in the Open Cup before for Boca Raton FC. So, this guy was ineligible to play for the Villages SC. And the funny thing is, this isn't the first time it's happened in this tournament. It's happened to another team in the last round who got uh, disqualified as well. Uh, which, I, I gotta ask, how is this guy getting to the pitch? Right. Okay, happens once, okay. Uh, fool me twice, shame on, shame on you, won't be fooled again. Won't be fooled again. Right, as President Bush says, you know, mm-hmm. essentially... You shouldn't be having this happen. Somebody should be doing some fact checks. Somebody should be letting these people know that you can't feel these guys. Yeah. No, embarrassing. And they'd actually won. I think that's the worst part. They got through right. the game and they ended up winning. It was a big upset over Charleston Battery. And now Battery is going through to play Armada. Um, Cosmos will be hosting either Jersey Express or N- NY Fancy Pants Freedoms. I'm pretty sure Jersey Express is that train that's like with Tom Hanks in, in the South oh, Pole. Oh, I was thinking it was like a 70s late night disco roller skate show. Jersey Express? Yeah, that yeah. sounds awesome, dude. With like bell bottoms. And... Sign me the hell up. Yeah, that sounds great, man. Um, Ryo OKC will be hosting OKC Energy in the battle for Oklahoma City. The rivalry week of US Open Cup. Yes. Not sponsored by Heineken like MLS. Of course. Hey, what? Uh, this this year, it seems like the MLS Rivalry Week isn't sponsored by Heineken. Last year was all like, Rivalry Week, sponsored by Heineken, the Heineken Rivalry Week. Yeah. This I haven't is- been paying attention to who the sponsor is. Sorry. Good. You're like the only person. I hate when people on Reddit post like, and the, uh, the MLS Player of the Week by Audi is blah, blah, blah. I'm right. Like, you, but you have this ingrained in you. You know these by heart. Right? It works. That's the problem consumerism man um minnesota will be going to st louis for a grudge match after last year's uh game where st louis's fans stormed the field which i talking to jamie watson earlier he's none too happy about that and he remembers it and they want revenge so that'll be fun um indy 11 will be hosting louisville city who beat they played detroit didn't they they did, Detroit City. and they beat Detroit City on penalties. On and penalty like, kicks. there was a there was a fight on Twitter happening between the Louisville City fans and the Detroit fans. Who, which, all I have to say, like Detroit fans were being pissy on Twitter. No, what? Right? Who knew? Um, Tampa Bay Rowdies will be hosting Upstart FC Cincinnati, America's darling. I, I'm pretty sure after Cincinnati, uh, even if they win this game, they're gonna go back to their fields and start tilling the fields, saying no team is bigger than this country. Mm-hmm. You get that reference. Cincinnatus, after he finished his term as consul, people warned him to take over as dictator, but he went back to his farm as a humble... Man. You know, George Washington likes Cincinnatus enough to, like, respect the man. And then the cities have come up because of him, and you don't know your history. Clearly not. Nope, I was instead going to make a lazy comparison, saying FC Cincinnati is America's darling, just like Selena Gomez. And uh-huh. Fort Lauderdale Strikers are playing the Richmond Kickers in a battle of the nothing... two laziest named soccer teams in America. <laughs> the strikers <laughs> versus Kickers. By the way, I think nothing illustrates more the difference between the two of us than I'm thinking about Cincinnati while you're thinking about Selena Gomez. I think this is a perfect illustration about why our podcast is so great. That's the reason. Yep. You're right. Not whiskey. Okay. Not whiskey. Moving along... Um, I, I did, you know, thinking about all these uh, funny team names, come up with some of my own. Basically, I, I was trying to find, like, late 90s, like, edgy culture. So, like, we'd have, like, Truck Nuts FC, sponsored by Monster. Pretty sure that would be, like, hugely popular. 
Or or you could have a soccer business spelled S A W K E R and B I Z N E S S Soccer Business F C. Then that sounds great. The crickets you're hearing are coming from Fort Lauderdale's new cricket field. <laughs> right. You're good at the segue business now. By the way, Jeez. Neil Morris, a uh, longtime NASL reporter, Neil Morris, reported that some of his sources are telling him the Fort Lauderdale Strikers in the fall season will move to, uh, I think it's called the Broward County Cricket Ground, mm-hmm. uh, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a cricket stadium that's built in in a uh, in an area uh, that's that's. Uh, settled by a lot of Caribbean immigrants because the cr- cricket is a big game in the Caribbean. So it, it was built, the stadium was built there as kind of saying this stadium is a world-class facility. It'll draw world-famous cricket players. That hasn't quite happened. Yeah. Um, cricket has yet to take off in this country. It's mostly because they don't have a single entity cricket league that controls uh, everything. Um, no, they just need like dudes in fedoras podcast to really bring interest to it. And then it'll start going from there. And that's right. all it's going to take. Yep. Anyway, uh, so so the Fort Lauderdale Strikers are going to move to this cricket ground. It has been uh, home to a PDL soccer team called Floridians FC, another funny uh, team name. And uh, it's also the home for the MLS Combine since 2010. Right. So, uh, I mean, it's been utilized for soccer before, which is what you're getting at, too, which is nice. Um, Cardic- and, and actually, it is nice is is something that we can say about it in just in general. It is a nicer facility than Lockhart, which is a total dump. Yeah, no, it's not saying much. Uh, Kardik Krishner was saying that uh, the strikers aren't marketing games because of Lockhart because it's such a bad stadium. To to be uh, so, I put this in the notes. Actually, what he said is uh, the Kansas City Wiz didn't market games when they were playing at Arrowhead, and. Um, uh, the Red Bulls didn't market game at Giant Stadium. They waited until they moved to do it, which would explain some of this attendance shenanigans that's happening. That the strikers are just waiting till they move to bring people in, so they can initially experience the strikers in a nice facility, so that their first impression of the strikers isn't "Wow, this is terrible." I can see some logic in that, um, but I can also see why someone would argue, "Well, you need to get them into the door no matter what." Right, and this isn't the first year they've been at Lockhart. So they'd been marketing it in the past. So it's, it, if anything, it just seems strange that they would have stopped this year. Um, Let's move on. Yeah. In other NASL news, uh, Co- this is Cosmos Country is reporting that Nico Cronchar is drawing interest from Rangers FC over in Scotland. Brilliant. So his job with the Cosmos basically did what it was intended to do. It got him the attention, got him back his fitness, got him the attention of some people abroad. Uh, was it worth 250k for the Cosmos? No. Question mark? No. It wasn't. Why not? Because the results haven't been there. He personally has been fine, but he hasn't been mm-hmm. stellar. He hasn't been like a key cog who can make and break a game. So uh, I'll come out here and say that it's a little too early for me to say yes or no because... He's got, Actually, no, you're right. He's, he's their, got, their attendance has been crap too. Yep. So he hasn't brought anyone through the door either. So... Yeah, to me that that would I would actually put when it comes to these big name players and their salaries, I I think it's more important to get people through the door, even if they're not going to be necessarily the best competitive. So the business player. side of it that you were just railing on about five minutes earlier, right? But you know, I I, I was railing about how leagues are fighting each other. I have very mixed feelings about retirement age people coming here. On the one hand, it's it's horrible. On the other hand, I think there is something to be said about guys like Gerard coming in and bringing. Maybe MLS is past that point for me, but I think NASL still... Something has to happen to put the minor leagues or the lower leagues of U.S. soccer onto people's radars. Mm -hmm. 
And saying, oh, this big dude came and like graced us with his presence is one way to say, huh, NASL might not be a tin-part league. Maybe I should pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. And Cranshaw, in fairness, isn't a retirement age guy either. He's like 30. Right. So there's a chance. But I mean, this week for their upcoming game against Tampa Bay, Cranshaw isn't the one doing the promos. Joe Cole was filmed for a Cosmos promo saying, hey, guys, you want to come check out a game? I'll be there. You should, too. <laughs> That's absurd. That is absurd. Have Like, using an opposition player in your... You never see that. It's one thing if you're like, you know, we're hosting Orlando City and Kaka's right. going to be here. And yeah, have a highlight and we're going to take photo. down Kaka. You know, right. And, right. It's another if it's like having him be like, hey, can you come into the studio and can you do a promo for us? <laughs> yeah, word. And, and I have to say, by the way, Joe Cole, uh, if you say his name really fast, sounds like Joe Cole. This is, Yikes. by the way, brought to my attention by Andy Wardenhofer, so shout out to him. Uh, um, <laughs> moving along, there's a group of investors that want to bring NASL, an NASL expansion to Roman University in... I forget what the name of the city is. It's in New Jersey. It's in the Philly metro area, basically. It's about... Uh, a Half our southeast of of Philadelphia. Huh. This group of investors is is uh, based primarily, I believe, in the United Arab Emirates, as reported by Jonathan. All this is reported by Jonathan Tannenwald, by the way, at the goalkeeper on Twitter. Good reporter to follow. So they're from the United Arab Emirates, but there's going to be an ownership stake from a Spanish club. Ooh, and guess who is just happens to coincidentally be playing a match against the Philadelphia Fury at Rowan University, Barcelona. No. Fuck. SD Abar. No, that, that was like, my second guess. That was that fairy tale side that like earned promotion to La Liga when they were really tiny. Anyway, the point is they're also playing against the Cosmos in Las Vegas. So mm-hmm. this is starting to make a lot of sense about why Abar is playing the Cosmos in Vegas. And that to me, that also says that maybe that game is supposed to also have some business purposes behind it. Possibly. No, that's very true. Um, so yeah, stay tuned on that one. That's going to be interesting to see. I would honestly say that Pittsburgh is probably a better area to tap just because Philly has MLS and Pittsburgh has USL or go for like Hershey or something. You know, I think that there are other areas. Pennsylvania is a big enough state where it might be worth your while to scout out, but we'll see. Um, former Fort Lauderdale striker Fafa Paco was called up to the Fudu Fafa. Fudu Fafa Fafa. For the USMNT tune-up game. Before Copa America against Puerto Rico, he is not on the short list of players who could be called up. However, there's like an interim camp for the guys who just finished off the European seasons. And in order to fill out the rosters, guys like Julian Green, guys like Fafa Picolt were called in. So I think Fafa Picot is one of these guys who I have enjoyed following since he left NASL. I think he went to, what was it, uh, Red Star Belgrade or one of those mm-hmm. teams uh, in that area. And now he's at St. Pauli in Germany. So I'm... I think this is an excellent example of the, the, the power of having a good second division. Is that it catches those guys maybe who haven't been able to break into MLS. Gives them a place to incu- incubate their talent and then go elsewhere and do great things. And we've seen that elsewhere Fafa too. Does. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's talk about Spring Week 7 and the matches that happened. Because we already wasted 23 minutes talking about news. We did. Nice. Okay. Um, Minnesota United beat Jacksonville in front of 8,861 fans to 2-0. It was a, a, a uh, historic scoreline yeah. that we'll be talking about for years. Play of the week from Kevin Venegas was a beautiful juke that he gave a defender between knocking a ball, curling shot, into the top left-hand side corner, past Miguel Gallardo, who, by the way, didn't do horrible things in this game. He was uh, He had one or two distributions that were really bad. <laughs> 
that uh, in the first like ten minutes too. And I remember I started shouting "I love you, Miguel" at one point. <laughs> I do remember that. I'm pretty sure when Tony Miola is like, Miguel, we need to talk about distribution. To, uh, Miguel Gallardo shows up with like statistical distribution charts, and he's like bell curves. <laughs> right, exactly. And you know, you know, I think it's important that everyone has a fair shot. I right. really do. Um, Beautiful goal. Go watch this goal if you haven't already. Yep, and then Pino scored a... Uh, Stefano Pino. Yeah. In his first start for Minnesota United. Thank you. He scored. I don't know. Did you want to take the rest of that? No. Okay, no. Anyway, so um, Bernardo <laughs> Anior worked his way into the box. Looked like he had a chance at a shot from the left side and instead centered it. It bounced around past a couple of defenders for Jacksonville. Pino was on the other uh-huh. side of it. Looked like he could have been offside, but it took some deflections and probably neutralized that. Or he wasn't offside when it was played to him and just kind of drifted as it played pinball with the Armada defense and then knocked it in. So Jacksonville made four changes to this game. The previous game, they made five changes. So it's kind of looking like they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Let's be honest. They just traded away their captain too. So they they have a lot of money now to play with. So hopefully they make some good use of it. But at the moment, there's nothing going right for this team that you can tell. Um, one, of the, one of the things that is misfiring the most is Matt Fundy. USL's lead goal scorer last year. Mm-hmm. How many goals does he have in NASL so far? None. Quack, quack, quack. A big duck. And he is actually playing with a guy that he played last year with in USL. Brian Burke. Now, Fondi has started every game. Burke has only had four with Fondi. But still, they just don't seem to be connecting. And the funny thing is he had a moment. You know, it's starting to feel like maybe Matt Fondi, the pressure's got to him. Because Jamal Johnson in the 20th minute puts a perfect pass past the defense. Our defense, by the way, had a couple of howlers. And uh, this was one of them. And Fondi just got, gets the ball, threads it in, and misses it. I think mm-hmm. I think he skied the shot, in fact. Yeah. It, it, th- th- there was one player actually at uh, on our defense who actually put his hand up and asked for an offside and just stopped running. Yeah. Which to me is like, no, dude, you play until the whistle goes. If you want to put your hand up, put your hand up and keep playing. Yep. No, I completely agree with you. I think we talked about this last fall. It happened a couple of times with the now dead Scorpions. Um, if I recall right. Yeah, there were a couple of other decent chances. Um, in the first half, Brent Coleman had a header that he needed to try to loop over Gallardo when we talked after the game, um, because he didn't, couldn't get the power on it, went over Gallardo, had a really nice save and knocked it over the crossbar. Um, and then for the second half, United just kind of coasted. There was really yeah. no need to put on the pressure and, um, Jackson that was that. wasn't threatening that much. And I think the, the thing that really impressed me in this game the most was how much, pr- how well we were putting pressure on the ball. Uh, in, I think I think the best example is the way that the Cosmos pressured us in the first part of that match uh, at NSC where the Cosmos played us this season. We were equally good against Jacksonville. I really enjoyed watching that. And uh, just finally, one other quick point, which is that Jacksonville still has no road wins. Ever. Ever. Yeah. Can you believe it? We're at, what, 36, 37 games that they've played now? Yeah. I mean, it didn't even take Indy that long, I don't think. No, they did in their first year against us. No, that, no, that was, was a home. home. That was a home win. That's right. right. Still sticks with you. But no, you're right. Indy did not take a year and a half to do it. So there's some major problems there. Miola looked pretty distraught after the game. Um, it's interesting to see what's going to happen there. That's going to be a big mid-season transfer window for them. I don't know how he sticks around, man. I mean, like, Mark Frisch is a guy who... I think is a decisive executive, soccer executive. I don't know if, if Tony Miola sticks around because I haven't seen anything good happen there. Maybe maybe this money spending is the next thing, but you, you got to think if there's a rebuilding project, do you want the same guy to do it who's built a team that's misfiring? 
Or is it too early? Did they make him the tech director too? I feel like they did. I don't remember. Because if they did, then there's the whole notion that there's a lot of guys um, who when they inherit a team and you have the old managers, owners, I just watched Notch drain one beer, set it to the side and pick up a full bottle in one fell swoop. That was amazing. Um, There are a lot of managers who will come in and they will have a roster that's the old gaffers line up and then you have to Did you go to England recently? I dabble. And um and so you know they'll have this lineup and they won't like it so they're shipping out some guys and bringing in new guys and it's a really incohesive lineup. And so maybe he's to a point where he just needs to get a full, you know, shift of the lineup, but I don't know how you're right. I don't know how patient Frisch is going to be about that. We'll see. We will see. Um Fort Lauderdale Strikers versus Indy. Talk about teams that uh needed something new. Well, the Strikers it looks like might have made it happen. They held off Indy, who I've been personally quite impressed by, who have actually, when you look at the NASL table and you look at points per game, I believe they're in third place for the spring, Indy is. Yeah. So you're looking at a team that's not bad, and the strikers were able to hold them to a goalless draw, and only because John Bush was a absolute madman beast. By the way, I've been to England now. Absolute madman, like, you know. Beast, uh, yeah. Right. You finished the thought, yeah. yeah. Um, no, you're absolutely right. Bush had a fantastic game. Um, a very emotional game for him. He had tweeted after, like a few days after the match, that during the week leading up to this Lauderdale indie game, his father passed away. And so he had a heavy heart. He had his Our dad's name. Our condolences to John Bush. And his family, yeah. And he had uh, his dad's name written on his gloves. Um, yeah. And just some remarkable saves. I think I think this is a good illustration, by the way, of how important the mental game is by the way in 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 our sport which is at soccer you know with Leicester City you saw that they're not the most technically gifted team in the in the whole of the Premier League but it was the sheer kind of motivation that put them through same with Chelsea they're phenomenally talented mentally lacking mm-hmm. and you see something like this a very tragic event but one that empowered him to any he, and he looks superhuman he was making saves in this game that just looked impossible the kind that if they had gone in you'd have been like those he had no chance and he did again and again and again. And I think kudos to John Bush for having that sort of fortitude and being able to put up. I think this is what a true professional is able to do. Mm-hmm. And um, in his, uh, I mean, 18 years that he's been playing, you know, he's shown that he is a true professional. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, overall, though, like, there were some really good chances. Lauderdale certainly had more of the ball as far as meaningful attack. Right. Particularly in the first half. Oh, yeah, and in the last five minutes then, mm-hmm. you know, in stoppage time, there were a few times where he, he cleared one off the goal line or he would make a quick reflex save and it bounced off to a striker, <laughs> a striker, ironic, <laughs> pun, um, who would then kick it into an open space and Lavelle Palmer, the right back, had shifted in and was able to block it. Um, kind of a mad final five minutes, but ended nil-nil in front of a thousand fans. <laughs> Well, that cricket ground would be pretty great. Um, Eamon Zayed wasn't able to play in this game because, he, or he was a, not able to start. He came in as a sub later, uh, which left Indies' attack looking a little bit different than they've started the the, the season with. They, they've been retooling their attack a little bit, and this was this game was no exception. And they looked weak in front of goal, even though in the, some of the second half they had a bit more of chance. They, they just weren't able to make it happen in the box, uh, which was frustrating for their fans, I'm sure. If, for, by the way, they're still unbeaten. By the way. And yes, in, they're 2-4-0. In, oh. <laughs> in, in, I think it was in our NASL soccer or R&D 11. I forget. One of the places I saw a comment by this guy named Madman who said, can't win, can't lose, call us Da Vinci because we love to draw. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. That's, That's a brilliant. great, great quote. 
Um, moving along, uh, just a quick transfer note. Wojciech Wojciech has been loaned from Indy 11 to OKC Energy. He's pretty young, which I, looking at him, he looks like he's like 30-something. But he's 23, and he had 21 appearances last year, but only 14 minutes so far this year. And he's off to the OKC Energy for the rest of the USL 2016 season. He, might, he Indy has a right to call him back if they need to, though. Sure, and then Strikers U19 is going to attend a youth team tournament in China, which is called the Weifeng Cup. Um, it involves some youth teams from all over the world. Most prominent youth team, the U19 team that's going to be there, is Real Madrid's team. Um, yep. And Mark Anderson is going to go with to be the assistant head coach. By the way, this flew over my head in this offseason. Last year, we were obsessing over where Mark Anderson was going to go after leaving the Strikers, and he went to the Railhawks. This year, there wasn't a peep about him. Mm-hmm. Last year, he was so good, man. And then, like, he's just fallen off the face of the earth now he's like apparently he's playing with some i think like pdl or npsl squad for a little while mm-hmm. and now he's not even playing for the strikers helping coach their U- u19s that's really weird and he's just 27 so i don't get it yeah anyway. let's go ahead and let's take a quick break here we've got three matches to go we're gonna do a new segment called listener questions so that'll be nice and then we will preview next week's matches <laughs> And welcome back to Tough Gust. The first game that we got to get to is Carolina versus Miami, which ended in another thrilling nil-nil draw in front of, though, 7,107 people. Yeah, it's back. Attendance numbers in um, Carolina are back to where we thought they should be and would be. So that's really nice to see. Yeah. Um, uh, just just a quick quick few notes about this game. The one thing that really surprised me was uh, NASL April Player of the Week, Austin Dalouz, was on the bench. Yeah, the Player of the Month was on the bench. Um, oh, yeah. But, I, didn't, right. I didn't hear why. Did you... Uh, no. There was no sense of an injury or anything. I think it's just a playing decision. I think Sleepy. Carolina is misfiring, and they thought they'd mix it up, and it didn't work as well um, either. Uh, by the way, they Daniel Vega, the goalkeeper for Miami FC, is actually really freaking good. Right? Who knew? Right. Uh, and, and Miami, there's an interesting stat from at OptaJack, who is the OptaStats' like, Twitter account for North America, which said that Miami is a league with the most tackles won in, in so far in the spring season. And, and Neil Morris tweeted that they're fifth in percentage of tackles won. Mm-hmm. So it's not the indiv- to me, that sounds like it's not the individual parts in their defense that are shambles. It's the positioning. Yeah. It's the coaching. It's just everything else. Maybe. Right. Yeah. The, uh, the amount of times that people are able to get behind their defense on breakaways is incredible. That's true. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, Carolina looked in charge in the beginning of this game. It kind of got balanced through the end of the first half. Then yep. the second half started with Miami looking like they were in charge. Again, got balanced. I mean, it was a nil-nil draw. There was a few, few moments. Interesting enough to watch. I wasn't totally bored, but mm-hmm. knowing the result, watching it. Pablo um, Campos from Minnesota fans came on in the 88th minute. So, it's kind of surprising. Anymore. Right. He's not starting. He's not getting major minutes either. He's a you know kind of a time killer, honestly, at that point. Because once you make a sub after the 85th, you're just trying to burn the clock. So, a little bit sad to see what's happened with him. I think one other major note for Miami is that Richie Ryan played all 90 minutes after a transfer that went through on Thursday. So For 750K, he better play 90 minutes every freaking week. Well, I will. And then do like a dance afterwards to entertain the fans. Do like, yeah, and recite the entirety of... I'm so sexy. Do the in- <laughs> recite the entirety of the Jabberwocky from Memory by Lewis Carroll. <laughs> Just, 
uh, just the true See, renaissance again man. the difference between the two of us i went to i'm so sec too sexy by right said fred you went to the jabberwocky so by let's Cow. let's recap my in my corner we have selena gomez and the jabberwocky in your corner <laughs> We have Cincinnatus and I'm, I'm too, too sexy. sexy. All right. By right said Fred. Okay, great. Well, everything seems right. I will say one thing, though. I was impressed by how well Ryan played. Um, I think that he's become a bit of a martyr. I really do. I think that there's a lot of discussion that went on this week. Uh, West Berdine had a particularly awesome article on Northern Pitch that went out talking about what this transaction and what his new salary, which also... Um, some slightly misconstrued details about his salary went out, but very close. But the transfer um, but from amount the that you rated was the stuff that you reported was okay. Oh yeah, right. Yes, so I just was. I just want to be clear about that. You didn't get anything wrong. I didn't, and actually, Empire Soccer didn't get anything terribly wrong either. So there was nothing that was like egregiously false. But what I will say is that I mean, he was forty-four of forty-eight passing. When you're playing in the center of a lineup that you've practiced with once, that's really impressive. He had four interceptions as well. He's going to be the target of a lot of criticism, I think, in NASL stadiums as he moves forward because he has such a transfer fee attached to him. And I, he's not a sexy name by any stretch for this. However, he is a quality player still. So, yeah. Good shift. Miami has been eliminated from the spring title race. Um, Sad emoji. Right, exactly. There was uh, one tear shed. Uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies played Oklahoma City. Uh, wait, I almost said Oklahoma City Energy. Ryo, KC. Ryo. What wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, is in in the I forget I forget the intro to Conan. But anyway, uh the result was actually there were go- there was a draw, but there were goals. Mm-hmm. And really funny ones too. Yeah. Um Michelle scored. Um kind of it was a awful n- jock esque mistake from Matt Pickens. Ooh, cold. <laughs> Throwing a little shade at Sam. No, I'm gonna Sorry, say Sammy. no, this I would say this is more of a Robert Green esque goal. <laughs> it was a howler. What, a howler. Because it was awful defending. Pickens jumped up to catch the ball, caught it, but then ran into one of his defenders, who then starts rolling over injured, thinking he probably got ran into by a Rio player, and so he was uh-huh. embellishing. Meanwhile, Pickens is literally crawling for the ball, picks it up, <laughs> can't hold it, it goes towards the goal, and then Michelle comes in, just taps well, it in. Neil Collins comes up to Matt Pickens, who is trying to get to the ball, and tries to kick it away, and basically it bounces straight to Michelle, who then... Right. Makes it happen. And Pickens, to his credit, crawls like really fast and quickly towards he's, Michelle and doesn't make it. He's a nimble crawler. He is. I think, you know, that's something you don't often rate with keepers. His but parents he's one of the must best. have been really mad before he started walking. Baby Pickens? Right. Oh, that sounds like an awful, awful crime. Um, the other goal. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. You're so, a terrible person. So that was in the 54th minute. In the 74th minute. $150,000 striker who has scored one goal this year. Tom Heineman, Tom Hyperman, Teen nice. Wolf himself did what, Jeff? Man, do you want to talk about a misfired transfer? Anyway, yeah. he took a shot, a poor shot, <laughs> which then took a deflection off of one of our favorite players. That was not my intention. <laughs> I wanted to clear the ball. Needs to spend I more have... time toiling at the wheel of pain. I have done it. I have apologized to my gods and his. And in the 74th minute, own goal to Juana. I will be back for you. And this time, Juana will not make the same mistake. 
That was nice. That was all improvised. I want you to know we did not prepare that. Um, magic of the podcast. And uh, Joe Cole played Joe Cole. 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 Hey, Joe Cole. Joe Cole. Joe Cole, man. <laughs> he played 90 minutes. It's actually kind of impressive for a guy who everyone said his legs have gone. I'm actually going to say that. And he, and he looked kind of decent. Mm-hmm. He, had some, he, he created some chances. He had some great... I mean, you can tell that this guy has is a player of exceptional skill. There was a moment in like the 10th minute, I think it was, where he gets the ball at the top of the box and is just dribbling around for 15 seconds, 10 seconds. And it doesn't look like he has an intention. Like the first five touches that he has, and I'm not making, like it, he had like 10 touches in a row on it. Um, it just looks like he's just dribbling so that he can make a hype video to send to the Cosmos and try to get them to sign him <laughs> or send it to Nesta so that he can get paid like $5 billion a week or something. Um, but no, I mean, then he took a shot that went right to the keeper, but still Joe Cole, Joe Cole, Joe Cole, Joe Cole, Joe Cole, Joe Cole, Joe Cole. Uh, last game this week is the one that when I saw the result, I honestly just could not believe it. It put Minnesota top of the table. FC Edmonton, the Eddies, who you were trying to convince me to pick last week in the prediction game. And I did Mm -hmm. because I'm smart like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, they beat the Cosmos 2-1, man. And I uh, I couldn't be happier about it, really. Honestly, yeah, that's awesome. You're 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 happier about the NASL table than the prediction game. Imagine that, right? Right. Anyway, um, there are two goals, obviously, by Edmonton, as you announced when you said the scoreline. The first one was by Jason Plumoff, who was a new transaction from over the winter. Twenty four year old came up with the Bayern Munich academy for a brief spell. Um, took a long pass from Dustin Correa, which he settled really nicely and then headed to his left for a little bit and then deked out a defender, went to his right and was able to slot it in the bottom corner. Really impressive goal. You know, sometimes you reach up and you're, you're going into the cabinet and you're going for the ripest piece of fruit you can find hoping for a peach. And sometimes you get a plum and Plumhoff delivered. <laughs> Keep going. The second goal was oh, by God. Johandre Orozco. <laughs> Um, who got a really nice cross from Jairo Arrieta. He settled it down. He faked out Big Papa Diakite and uh, was able to slot it low, but Papa got his revenge. By the way, second game winner from Diakite, and I believe he's he's had some more like assists and goals or something like that. Like He's been an effective guy for Edmonton. It's like, kind of amazing. I think that they've been referring to him to as the uh, the Canadian-based Riyad Mahrez. No. I've heard that. No. I've heard that. No. In my Come own on, head. Don't, don't do this to me. You know I don't like I know these, you like, don't like it. That's why I do Comparisons like, you know. That's why I do this. Oh, my God. Jesus. Anyway. Heavy pressure from Edmonton throughout the first half of this game. Uh, by the way, Hunter Freeman nearly had an Olympico, which is basically a shot. This fancy way of saying a shot from a corner kick that almost went in the goal. Fun fact, Toughcast listeners. In the notes, I typed in miss hit, but did not put a hyphen between miss and hit. And so it reads M-I-S-H-I-T, and it looks like a mishit. <laughs> okay, we're really getting there in this podcast, aren't we? It's starting to get... Uh, Last game, you know, don't yeah. worry. Anyway. Um, yep, Matty Van Okel ha- stopped uh, Juan Arango, closed down his angle when he had beaten uh, Big Papa. So it was a really interesting performance for Diakite. So. I, I mean, this actually, again, I'm just surprised that the Cosmos lost this game. The old Cosmos, the Cosmos that everyone fears would not They're have... always the old Cosmos. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, lay up. Keep going. Uh, I had a point. <laughs> Uh, the, the the cosmos that everyone is afraid of would there not have go. lost this game. Yes. The cosmos that everyone expected them to be would not have lost this game. And this, I think, shows you that this is a different team this year. 
which we've kind of sensed since the beginning of the season in small ways. So we'll see if they can pull it together. But uh, this was a super important game. By the way, what is Sockgate? Sockgate. You haven't heard about Sockgate? No. Sweeping the nation. Okay. It was a big scandal. It was a mighty, it was a really Nixon strange... got impeached because of it, I believe. That is true. Yeah, yeah. He, like forty years in advance, they're like, you know what, Sockgate's gonna happen. We want you out of here. Okay. What ha- what is Sockgate, dude? And he said, like, I am not a fashion designer. And then he walked <laughs> out in disgrace. Um, what ended up happening was the referee um, came out onto the field and set the ball in the center circle, and the players all got into formation. All of a sudden, he looked around to both sides and immediately walked back to the center circle, picked up the ball, and walked up to the benches, and no one knew what was going on. It turns out. Both the Cosmos and the Eddies were wearing white socks. And according to USSF rules, you can't do that. And you have to have your shirt, your shorts, and your socks of different colors from your opponent. And so he was pissed, didn't think he'd be able to tell them apart because of their socks. And so went to talk to both benches. They had to call headquarters and ask for what they should do and if they should postpone this match entirely. And headquarters said that, yes, they can both play as long as the coaches were okay with it. And the coaches shrugged and said, why the fuck aren't we playing yet? Yes, who cares about socks? And it was decided that in the second half, the Eddies had to come out in blue socks. And that's where they found the magic to get the second goal. We, we, uh, the U.S. Open Cup game a couple of years ago when Minnesota United played against Sporting Kansas City in the second half, Sporting Kansas City came out in their training tops for the same reason. Mm-hmm. So, funny story. Anyway, uh, moving along, we are running super late, so we really need to start rushing through some of this. We will... We'll go through the magic numbers and everything next week when we get a little bit closer yeah, here. Um, I think so. Yeah, because we still got four games left for United. And I did ask for listener questions, so it'd be rude if we didn't get to them. Yeah, and I alluded to it. So, let's start with Steve Lindley who asked, who are United's seven international spots? And we have an incomplete list from Steve, so I'm going to read this off with a yes or no, much like the salad police. Okay, okay, okay. I have, I, I'm actually against saying yes or no to these questions, okay. so and I'll explain why once you get through the list. Well, then I won't say yes or no. Okay. So, so But the, the players listed were Pino, Lang, Mendez, Ibsen, Tiago, Njak, Nisht, Seuss, and Lowe. Um, Bernardo Anyor is also considered an international player by the USSF. So... I've given this a little bit of thought, and my opinion is, one, it's kind of wacky that we have to scratch our heads about this, and there isn't just a little convenient list that tells us somewhere. Mm-hmm. This is a league rule, damn it. Every team should be telling us who they're set, like declaring. And, and this is an MLS problem, too. This is not just an MLS No, MLS problem. lists some. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, you can find it. There's even like a very easy, too long, didn't read version but of it on Wiki. Isn't, we were just talking last week how they don't list how many international slots they have. So all I'm saying is that there's a little bit of transparency issue with international slots in general. Okay. Anyway, point is, point is, we need to know. Like this is just something that, that would be easy. There should just be a list of seven players. Cool. It's fine. Problem is, with immigration stuff, and I had to go through this for many, many years, the answers are not simple. People who you wouldn't, quote-unquote, wouldn't think are Americans are. Yes. People who you wouldn't expect to have had enough time to get a permanent residency can. For example, Orlando City is funding their stadium through this thing where you can pay $500,000 towards their stadium infrastructure and you can get a green card through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't, there's no uh, residency requirement, I'm pretty sure. Right. Uh, or time of uh, amount of time spent as a resident. So there are ways of getting green cards in this world that are really complicated and you don't know which of these guys has something that qualifies them, man. Yeah. So so that's why I'm opposed to saying like, okay, I don't think this guy is an immigrant or he's not or whatever. It, it's, it doesn't, 
it's it's not fair to these guys to be to be doing that. All I can say is that I would like the team to clarify this for mm-hmm. us. And every as, team. And the the bigger point is, as long as they know, <laughs> as long as the league knows, and as long as it is the number, and they can keep playing, that's what really matters. True. So there you go. Um, let's see. We got a couple from Andrew Lovegren. We've got first, how big is the Spees injury for the offense, and what lineup would you like to use without him? So he got uh, a knock in this last game. A right? knock. I'm not the English guy. Uh, he and he's what is a knee sprain? And he's out, uh, quote unquote, a couple of weeks, according to David Lavac. Ankle. Ankle. Yep. Okay. And I, I did think the word knee sprain was a little weird. Anyway, Jordan's knee. Yeah. Anyway, right. point is, I'm sad about this, but I'm not like panicking, and that says a lot about our depth this year. Yeah, I would, I would second that. Um, I, I did an interview and a feature on him this week, so you should check that out too. But where on uh, Northern Pitch. And Spees, I mean, said it's it's nagging. He feels like he could push it and probably be playing next week if he wanted to against the Rowdies, but I don't think there's a reason for them to because, like you said, there's a lot more depth. Um, as far as the lineup, I think I would just run out pretty much the same thing, move Anior to a single center attacking mid, and then put in, like, Vicencini as your other defensive mid and do a double six. That's what I would do. I would actually put Pino as a center in Spees' position, put Lang back in the lineup and keep Anior where he is. Uh, and leave Mancini on the bench. Because I think Pino, to me, is most effective down the middle. He was last year, for sure. And playing him on the wing isn't... He didn't look like he was naturally fitting into that wing spot that he was in. Interesting. His entire career up until Lauderdale, he was a winger. Which is, you know... So, I, I don't Aaron know. Pitchko, I mean, Greg Jordan, until he got to Minnesota United, was a center back. Mm-hmm. Aaron Pitchkolan was the same way. I mean, things change, and I I think there was a distinct drop-off in form with Pino when he went off to the wing in Fort Lauderdale. Okay. I mean, I personally, I would say his best game that he's had with Minnesota was last week as left wing, so I think that he's just fine out on that side, but agree to disagree. Um, then Colin Solberg asked, how many chicken gifts do we have? I was, uh, when the U.S. Open Cup draw happened this morning for the, the next round of matchups, so it's like, well, if Minnesota or St. Louis win, they'll be at Sporting Kansas City, that kind of stuff. There are a lot of people who will be like, oh, yeah, man, I really want to, I'm really excited for SKC to come to Minnesota. I'm like, you're counting your chickens before they're hatched. So all I was doing was responding in chicken noise, like, bok, 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 and then I started posting chicken gifs. And Colin, I have a lot of chicken gifs. I have an uh, infinite source of gifs that I uh, have as my personal secret. I can I can respond in a gif to anything that you throw at me, my brother. That is true. Anything. And that's your challenge for the week. Okay. Summon a GIF from the two United fans Twitter account at TWO United fans and Notch will send something your way. Um, last question. I've, I've put a lot of thought in this one too. Which former Chelsea player, who assumedly is in his mid to late 30s, would you want to see play for the Loons? Uh, this is from Mitch. Um, I think there's only one, right, <laughs> that, that fits that bill at the moment. I don't actually follow Chelsea well enough to know their players too well anymore. I. Honestly, don't care about the EPL too much myself. Uh, so John Terry, I'm just going to say it because I actually don't know if I want him to play for us. He's a center back. That's nice, I guess, right? My thing is I don't want any in their mid to late right. 30s coming to Loons. If I had to make a dumb, dumb prediction, I would say that Miami FC will go out and sign Michael Essien during this transfer window. Ooh, pancake hot take from Jeff. Prediction. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, speaking of predictions, we should go ahead and start talking about our predictions. Uh, so lightning round, right? The first match this week is Miami FC uh, playing against their choices so far in life to um, to assemble this team, 
to 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 how they've played so far this spring season. They're gonna go. You know, Alan Marcina last year with the Scorpions has this dark room that he would send all of his players into to think about their choices. Well, that dark room is now in Miami FC. Okay, and so I would say the dark room wins. Yeah, when I think the dark, the dark room, room wins, wins too. Yeah, yeah. yep, yep, yep. Uh, Indy versus Minnesota United FC. Minnesota be a Homer. Yeah, you're gonna be a Homer. I'm gonna be a Homer too. Uh, Ryo OKC versus the Strikers. Ryo. Why? Because, first off, Fort Lauderdale's gotten four points in two games, so they're due. <laughs> um, second, Ryo, just, I mean, they look like they're pretty close to being a complete team. Right. You know, and, and they weren't able to capitalize this week, but I think that they do have a higher upside. And so I think that at home, again, as well, with the knowledge that they need to really get on their A game before they're hosting in the Oklahoma City Derby, I think that they're going to be on their A game today and so I or this weekend. So I think it's going to be Ryo. Oh my God! I got to decide who I'm going to put in this thing. I, I on on the one hand, you're right about everything. I think what I'm wrestling with is Fort Lauderdale being on a momentum of form and some of the guys who That's I true. haven't rated well performing well. Um, but it, I think I think what tips it for me is that it is an away game. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Ryo as well. Sorry to to pick something that you've picked. No, totally fair. Um, uh, Ottawa versus Jacksonville. <laughs> this is a really tough game to pick. I'm going Ottawa. Yeah, me too. I I think it's pretty obvious why we would yeah pick this one. Uh, Edmonton versus Carolina. Is this where Carolina picks it up and wins it, Jeff? I honestly, I'm gonna say Carolina, but I think this is gonna be a draw. Mm. But I think if I had to say one is going to be able to score a crap goal in the 85th minute or be able to go up 2-0 in the first half and then just bunker down, it's going to be Carolina. I'm giving this one to the Eddies because they've just beaten the Cosmos and they're on a high. So I, th- I, think, I, think, I think they're able to pull it through on a team that is misfiring. But I think you, what you just said in, is entirely possible. Mm-hmm. Cosmos, speaking of them, versus the Tampa Bay Rowdies in New York. I am going to say New York. Yeah, me too, man. Okay. Uh, they're just... You can't see them losing two in a row. Nope. And we also just got a hot take coming off of the Open Cup results. It looks like Jersey Express beat the Fancy Pants Brigade <laughs> 1-0 and will be going to New York on June 1st for the Open Cup game. I know we were all waiting for that result to be announced live and on And that's air. why we stalled on the podcast until right. we could get it. I so we can last, wrap. The last piece of breaking news that we had on this pod was when we heard about uh, Peter Novak spanking yes, and that's right. the union. That's right. <laughs> anyway, well, that is a wrap. We have taken far too much of your time, listener. You will find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Podcasts, SoundCloud as well. Uh, you can find Jeff at at j-e-f-f-r-u-e-t-e-r my personal twitter is at lockstockspock you can also find me at t-w-o united fans where i will also retweet a lot of the great stuff that jeff writes and reports you will also find uh that there are itunes reviews available please put one in tell your friends about the show as well we always appreciate new listeners and we always also appreciate questions so thanks again for listening you have a great day or night bye bye